0: Welcome man, it is Adrian Lawrence and as you know, this is the conversation. Fortunately, I am joined by an expert here with some unfortunate circumstances we're gonna talk about, but they will be enlightening. That is gun violence expert, Jonathan Metzl. He's also the director of the Department of Medicine, Health and Society at Vanderbilt University. Thank you so much for joining us, Jonathan. Glad to be here. Yes, so Jonathan recently in my hometown, six people were killed, 12 wounded in Sacramento, and it was something that was extremely shocking for a number of us. Especially since we do know that we have these mass shootings at all times. But this was one of the deadliest shootings in Sacramento history and police believe that there is some gang activity involved. But it was also just just blocks from the California State Capitol. What is going on when it comes to gun violence here in the United
1: States? I mean, Every shooting is a tragedy and we should never normalize this. Every time there's a shooting, we should think, what can we do to stop this? But unfortunately, as we know in our, in our country, we have a patchwork of different kinds of laws. So if one state has very tight gun laws, the state next to them or three states away might have really loose gun laws and you can just drive guns in. We have loopholes uh, through through what are called ghost guns. We have loopholes through, through gun shows. And so it's just too easy for the wrong people to get guns. And we we just don't have the means to stop them. And so even states like California that are trying so hard to do everything right and have laws that do reduce on an aggregate level uh, gun death. Um, even those states because of the patchwork of, of really America, they also see the, this kind of tragedy and and, and just again, every one is a tragedy. But the, I agree with you, this particular shooting was particularly jarring given the circumstance. Absolutely,
0: and you know, and police. I know they have arrested, I believe, at least three people involved. But they've yet to reveal what type of weapons were used in the shooting. But they have said that uh, more than a hundred rounds were fired. Like, who needs a hundred rounds or more? It's this isn't some kind of mortal combat situation. This is suburbia. What's going on?
1: You know, we this is a decades long fight. I mean, part of the issue here, of course, is that um, the capacity of these magazines, of the magazines and the guns, the way the guns fire, um, it's just too easy to get these particular kinds of weapons. So certainly, there's an issue of, I mean, really what we have is a civilian arms race. and and so if one side has guns, the other side has guns. Um so that that's part of the issue. Um, and and then again, it's just I feel like there's a lot of resignation. Certainly, I think that before the pandemic hit, there was a lot of optimism that the um, you know, that things might change. We had a 2018 election that was very strong for gun control. Uh, the tide seemed to be turning at, at, for a moment there. And then what happened was the pandemic hit, we sold millions and millions of guns. So there are just millions more guns on the streets right now. And so it's really a toxic combination of too many guns. And not really that effective laws across the country to stop them. And so unfortunately, Sacramento happened. But then we, we also had a horrific weekend of, of gun violence across the country. So unfortunately, we want to stop and we want to grieve that shooting. But also there have been countless shootings just in the days and weeks since since that tragedy.
0: Yes, and that's something that you did note that I remember well from the pandemic how essentially the gun shops in my local area that down in LA were sold out. Everyone was trying to get a gun on their hands during the pandemic when we're supposed to be in lockdown and so now that things have let up somewhat and people are outdoors more and more active is do you think that we're going to see an uptick in gun violence as a result of so many people being armed?
1: Well, we are we already are seeing an uptick, in 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 particular, I mean, the shooting we're talking about here is a homicide, right? I mean, we have these crazy divisions of is it a mass shooting or a gang shooting? I don't like those divisions. They're all people are dying in in every one of these kind of shootings, and we should think of all shootings the same in that regard. But it's also important to note when you think about the pandemic, a lot of people rushed out and bought guns who had never owned guns before, and so there were a lot of guns in homes, particularly homes of people who weren't previously gun owners and so the risk isn't just gun homicide. Most gun death in our country is gun suicide. And then there's also partner violence, accidental shooting. So the risk factors for all these other kinds of shootings went up even though those kinds don't make it to the news. And unfortunately what we're living with now, it you know, even before the pandemic, 393 million people in this country and well over 400 million guns. There's more than one gun per person in our country. And so we're gonna have to come up with some kind of new creative solutions because just limiting point of sale gun purchase that that ship has sailed. It's it's really where, where do we go from here? And I think that's really got to be the question.
0: I also liked your point in terms of not trying to decipher between whether mass shooting or gang violence. Cuz that was something that um, I had heard from a number of friends in Sacramento who are in the healthcare industry as they have a very large nursing doctor, physician um, care set up here in the Sacramento area. And the thought of well, why wasn't this getting the attention it deserved? What was the response to it? And the nurses I talked to said, "Oh, well, it's because of the color of the people who are involved, and oftentimes it's this thought that mass shootings impact white people primarily, and this thought that oh, it must be gang violence or something impacting black people, which seems are black and brown people, which seems more of just um, racist dialogue as opposed to recognizing that everything is human life and that none of this has to happen no matter what." And nice. so when we talk. And when, it talk, when we talk about getting on top of this gun violence, you know, it seems that there's this new frontier out here when it comes to California's gun control. And you can even say in the national gun control debate about curbing the prevalence of ghost guns. Those are those firearms that are built from parts that are sold without serial numbers, and they're easy to, um, to sell and to buy um, across states and whatnot. So what is going on here? Because I understand Biden said something about that earlier this week about
1: uh, ghost guns. Well, two important points that you made in that excellent question. First is that we've had a binary, we've had a particular divide. We call one thing a mass shooting, and that's innocent victims and and they're horrific and they're jarring. But then when we call it a a gang shooting or an urban shooting or something, it's almost like American society is like, oh well, that's to be expected because of the violence of the context or the situation. And so I really think it's important that we get away from that binary. Any shooting that's a multiple victim shooting should not be happening in a country like ours and I do agree with you that it really has served as a racist binary, a a racially charged binary and so we should be wary of that. Now that being said, ghost President Biden took at least a starter action on this. And the issue with ghost guns, we talked before in the conversation that there are huge loopholes in just how you can get a gun and who can get a gun in this country. And one of those loopholes is you can just order the parts for a gun on online um, or you can get a kit to get a gun online and those guns when they come, they're not registered. There's no, anybody can do it. There's no background check. It's it basically, I mean, I would say it's the wild west, but it's actually much harder to get a gun in the wild west than it is to get a ghost gun now. And so they're seeing a rise of these kind of guns, particularly in homicides um, because they're not traceable and the people who buy them don't have to go through the background check system. And so there have been a call from police and in and, and communities in cases like New York to really see is there something we can do? And at, at least the Biden administration took, I think, a first step toward regulating ghost guns. You would think it would not be it shouldn't be controversial at all. Like these are not legally obtained guns, um, and so hopefully this is the beginning of at least some issue people can agree on. But who who knows right now?
0: Yeah, and it's also a very scary thing knowing that California has some of the strictest gun laws, uh, yet still is facing these mass shootings uh, and also. The fact is that you can't necessarily stop these ghost guns, but I also understand that Governor Gavin Newsom has uh, talked about putting additional legislation in place. But again, if you can't track these things, how would you stop them? I'd love to hear your expertise
1: and what what do we need to do? Well, in terms of the ghost guns, there's an easy fix. I mean, that's what we're starting with, which is um, just make that process. It's no different than buying a gun. So you should have to do a background check to get a ghost gun. Um and the parts themselves, particularly the parts that are the most <laughs> you know, lethal, should be trackable right so that that is not complicated at all um but that that's a very easy first step um but i think the other part is you know there's a kind of resignation when a mass shooting happens in a place like california or chicago or you know new york people say well this thing happened here and we have tight gun laws therefore gun laws don't work that's certainly what the pro-gun side uh, advocates um but but i think that's the wrong lesson right i do still think that particularly places that have reasonable gun laws and particularly they're surrounded by other states that have reasonable gun laws. They have fewer mass shootings, but they also have fewer of many other kinds of shootings that are much more amenable to gun laws. And so there are fewer gun suicides, there's less partner violence. And so I think it's hard to, I mean, it's of course understandable to say, man, what more can we do? But it's important to note that gun laws are are generally effective they're just so patchwork that it's hard to really create any kind of any kind of coherent strategy for our country which is really what we need
0: Yes, I definitely think the strategy is necessary. And now that we've seen kind of the NRA, uh, it almost seems like they've taken a step back at least uh, with the whole bankruptcy and a lot more conversations. But it still seems that they have a stronghold on a number of individuals in the legislature. And so I guess if people are going to try to go the more democratic route, is there anything you'd suggest they do?
1: a uh, vote run for school board run for local elections i mean the most important part about the nra is not the finances of the nra right now it's that the nra has appointed so many judges across the country and judges as we're about to see with the supreme court have more sway than anyone on on gun policy so one thing of course is to get involved in the democratic process um, the way the way people were doing before because voting and having the power to put in ju- the judiciary really is is a very important site here for, for this issue and then again i i just really do believe that this past week has been a wake-up call for everybody it's kind of i mean there's so many scary things happening in, in the world right now but i do think we need to get recommitted to this issue and really try to imagine not just how we can stop mass shootings but how can we stop what we call the upstream drivers of gun violence because gun violence is linked to housing insecurity, poor job prospects, economic despair, neighborhood effects. And so it's also how can we fix the larger social factors of which gun violence is a symptom as opposed to in addition to continuing to try to legislate for for responsible gun laws.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's gun violence expert, who's also the director of the Department of Medicine, Health and Society at Vanderbilt University, Jonathan Metzel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. It's Adrian Lawrence and I am back at you. And this time we're talking about something near and dear to my heart. That's right, real estate. And we welcome in William Edwards, senior investing reporter and Alcina Lloyd, an economy reporter. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yes, so I know that there is a housing bubble that's on everyone's mind right now and that the feds have kind of begun hiking up these interest rates. So before we dive into what is really going on here, I'd love a little bit of background for people who don't know and kind of generally myself because I think we just hear terms and think we know. But Alcena, what is a housing bubble? So
2: a housing bubble is basically caused when there's a great imbalance in the real estate market between supply
0: and demand, which is really what's fueling this housing bubble right now. Yes. And so when that bubble, I'm assuming, kind of gets off balance, then we end up with that bubble bursting and people getting in trouble. And I'm sure people are wondering what is going on right now. And so I'd love to kind of dive into this issue. Uh, William, what's next, really, for the U.S. housing bubble?
3: Yeah, that's a big question on everyone's mind right now. Um, you know, the Fed's raising rates uh, a lot, um, they're expected to raise it by uh, 2.5% this year. Um, you know, several hikes ahead coming. So, um, yeah, a lot of people are concerned uh, that you know this rise in, in mortgage rates that's going to result from the the Fed hiking the Fed funds rate. Um, that's going to really cut into people's um, you know monthly budgets for for um, housing uh, for their housing budgets. Um, and yeah, it'll really sink uh, home prices. Or that's the concern at least. So.
0: Yeah, and I, I would definitely imagine that that is something that a lot of people are fearful at. Uh, now, Asena, what else are you hearing?
2: Well, I'm hearing right now while there is a housing bubble happening that it might not burst. Uh, I talked to a few economists that say essentially home prices, although they are very high, that means that a lot of home buyers have a lot of equity right now. So we're not likely to see a, a foreclosure crisis or anything like that happening. People that do have a lot of value in their homes are probably just gonna sell their properties. So whether the bubble bursts or not,
0: we're to see. Yes, um, I you know, I think we saw definitely during this pandemic that a lot of people being stuck at home, like me operating from a home studio now. They realized how important it is to have a home that you love and you deserve. And it seemed a lot of people ran out there on the market and bought homes, um, which was something that was a little bit scary in some places where I was living like in LA, where there was very low inventory to begin with and it caused prices to go up. Um, just to exorbitant rates and then people were still paying over the value of even the property simply to have it and they were doing cash deals and whatnot. To what extent is this playing a role in this thought that there's a potential housing bubble that's gonna burst?
2: Well, essentially it
0: just talks to the type
2: of competition that's in the market right now um, home buyers are competing for a limited amount of inventory. So that means cash offers are they're very popular right now because home buyers recognize that there are people out there waiting to purchase these homes. So prices are going up and these buyers are paying more with cash.
0: Yeah, definitely something I've seen and you of course sit here as me as a millennial wondering, geez, where do people get all this money from? But then don't get me started. Uh, But in terms of the other world events really impacting our potential housing bubble and having it explode, you know we have that going on right now in Europe. With um, Putin's brigade really trying to make its way uh, to seize Ukraine. And we're seeing a lot of things uh, cause a ripple effect. Whether it's just individuals preparing for uh, having less economic flexibility, also this thought with sanctions and how this will impact, we've seen things with uh, the fuel services in terms of Europe and whatnot. Um, William, how is this in terms of the Ukraine uh, Putin war? How is this playing an impact when it comes to the housing bubble?
3: Yeah, we've seen energy prices really spike uh, because of the war. And, uh, you know, obviously this is. Causing inflation, um, you know, throughout throughout the economy. Um, so that's also cutting into people's um, budgets budgets for housing. You know, uh, inflation's up seven point nine percent year over year. That's the highest in forty years. So people are definitely, you know, taking a hit um, in terms of their uh, their pocketbook. Um, what's ironic about that a little bit is is the Fed's hiking to to fight off that inflation. Um, but with them raising rates, that's also you know cutting into to people's uh, ability to afford houses with uh, mortgage rates going up because of that. So it's really a double edged sword here. Um, pretty interesting to see how it plays out in the next uh, several months
0: yeah it will be interesting to see how it plays out, especially because we don't necessarily know where we're going uh, you know, with this geopolitical conflict, but I do know that a lot of people, um, you know, with their day-to-day lives uh, do look for housing and especially because what we we're seeing that kind of um, housing crisis come up, particularly post pandemic with a lot of people not necessarily having the income uh, because they are out of jobs. And struggling to that extent. And so, when it comes to the housing bubble and things not necessarily being a buyer's market, but a renter's market, um, you know, can you, um, Alcena, can you speak in any way about how that is also impacting uh, what we have?
2: Well, right now, housing affordability is everyone's concern, whether you're a home buyer or a renter. uh, Prices are going up, and it's really like we talked about inflation, it's, it's costing pretty penny in people's pocketbooks right now. Um, I know the rental market itself, uh, people are waiting to see prices drop, but that really won't happen until we do see more inventory in the market. So I know everybody's waiting to see builders make more homes so uh, Americans can move into them and start their home ownership dreams.
0: Kind of strange too, considering that I know that we have a lot of homes that are just empty and not being used in the United States. Cuz I know that's something I often come across in reporting when we're talking about the housing crisis when we're looking at individuals who are unhoused. Um, But still, even if it's a thought of building more, uh, we do wanna make sure that there is affordable housing out there. And so something needs to be done. Is there anything that the Biden administration is doing when it comes to talk of ensuring there's affordable housing, but also with the potential for a housing bubble burst, William?
3: Um, honestly, I don't cover the the politics side of it too much um, so I'm not sure honestly what what the biden, how the Biden administration is approaching it um to be to be honest but uh, i'll say if you uh, you know have any, have any background on it
2: I know when uh, the biden administration when they first came to term I know one of their biggest uh, their biggest missions was to make sure that the housing market was basically standing in a good position um they have enacted uh, I'm not too sure if they've been acted any programs right now, but I know that they have launched initiatives to ensure that first- time home buyers are able to get into homes easier. Uh, first, uh, I think it's first time home buyer assistance programs as well too. But as far as bigger legislations to make sure that housing affordability is um, taking off, um I'm not too sure if I've heard anything.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully it can be refocused. I know that Biden has been quote unquote distracted uh with uh Putin, the war on Ukraine and whatnot. But still, I know that a number of things have to be tended to here in the United States and impact us. So having a good idea of how things are working with housing and economy. I think that that's extremely important. So hopefully there will be some, effort to refocus, especially with the midterms coming up. Mm -hmm. But in terms of um, the housing bubble and the prices. So I know that medium home prices that they've risen as much as 27% since spring of 2022. But also that these prices, they fell just a little bit for the first time uh, in that fourth quarter of 2021. What should we read into this? What What do you think this means?
2: Well, essentially what I'm hearing from the economist or the experts that I speak to is home prices are, are expected to regulate uh, uh, eventually in 2022 because home prices have been going up like you mentioned, but eventually uh, sellers are going to realize
0: that they don't have the money to pay for this home. Yeah, definitely having people have that understanding is so incredibly important, um, especially and also people. Feeling that he still have access to have these things, uh, because you know, home ownership is also a big part of maybe being able to establish generational wealth. And so we know that has been something that's generally kept from uh, various groups, particularly marginalized groups. And so being able to still be able to invest in home ownership and real estate, that is something that is uh, a dream of a number of people. And hopefully, that's something that can continue on for the future in terms of our society. And so, if there's a- Think is particularly missing from this conversation when it comes to that housing bubble. Um, William, is there anything that you think people need to know?
3: Yeah, um, I, I would say people need to to look at the the bigger picture here in terms of uh, you know what's different uh, between now and two thousand and eight or the mid two thousands when when the housing market crashed. Um, you know, a couple of major factors are are, are very different. So, for example. Um, Forty percent of people had um, adjustable rate mortgages back in uh, the housing bubble over a decade ago. That's only down to one percent now. That's all the way down to one percent now. So um, there's a lot better buyer behavior. Um, second, uh, there's way better credit standard, so it's way harder to, you know, get a, get a mortgage than it was back in 2008. Um, and third is so supply is way way lower um, than it was during uh, you know the housing bubble. Um, previously, so I think we had about 12 months' supply back in, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, and now we're about at six months' supply. So supply supply is way lower, you know, than it was then. Um, in terms of advice, um, UBS had a note out last week, you know, just recommending that, um, you know, people focus on on what they can afford in terms of a mortgage. Don't try to time the market um, per se. So, um, yeah, they would just recommend sort of just, uh, you know, looking at what you can afford in terms of your monthly housing payment and making decision based on that.
0: All right then, and so um, Alcina, is there anything else that you would love to add to this conversation mm-hmm. that you think people are missing?
2: Um, what I would say essentially is uh, to uh, a second what William said is this is not 2008. So people worried about if we're closer crisis happening as prices rise, they don't need to worry about it. Not yet, so uh, maybe it might change in a little while, but right now it's not 2008, don't worry about it. Uh, Prices are rising, but housing affordability is a number one concern for a lot of people right now. And there are people working towards making sure that Americans can afford housing.
0: Well, that is good and that's very good to know. And especially because we definitely want people to not have that housing and security issue as we know it is tied to a number of things. As we um, just spoke to a gentleman who is an expert in gun violence and noted that is one of the um, kind of influencing factors. And so, Ensuring that everyone could have a home is such an important thing and something that we need to see more of happening here in the United States. Given that we do have enough money, enough riches, enough housing to house everyone. so. That is something that I hope we are moving toward as a society. But in the meantime, as these two experts have shared, do not worry. Do not be fearful. This housing bubble is not going to burst um, a la in the past. Um, but I guess in the meantime, if people are looking to follow more of your reporting and more of your expertise, where can they find you, William?
1: Yeah,
3: um, just go to my author page. Um, it's uh, my name is William Edwards. So uh, yeah, just business insider William Edwards. My Twitter
0: is actually hacked right now, so yeah, don't go there. Yikes, good to know, and Alcena, where can they find you? Yeah, you can also find me on
2: my author page as well, but I'm also on Twitter as Lloyd Alcena.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so very much, both of you, for joining us and also putting to rest some of the fears that we may have had. I know there are a lot of people out there who are wondering what the housing market's going to do, especially in such a tumultuous time with so much geopolitical conflict and all else. So thank you so much for settling any of those concerns. That's William Edwards, Senior Investigative Reporter, and Alcena Lloyd, Economy Reporter.
1: Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.